Hi everyone, we're Lana Mercedes and we are the Onion Peelers. We're also the proud founders of The Breathing Space in Amsterdam. We're a growing uh, Ashtanga Vinyasa community, so if you'd like to know a little bit more about us and what we do, check out our website at www.thebreathingspace.nl. Of course, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. All right, what do we have ready for today? Today, Mercedes, we are going to talk about different uh, different types of practice, kind of the difference between mm, lead practice and what we call Mysore-style practice, and what uh, might help you find the practice that is right for you. Yeah, like the right fit for you. Yeah, so uh, Mercedes... Are you ready? Do you mean if I am ready to peel this onion? That is exactly what I'm asking. I mean, I am so ready to peel this onion. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> so maybe it's nice to say that actually this episode goes hand in hand with the episode that we did a few weeks ago about how to how to develop and maintain a practice so this is kind of like what we're going to discuss today perhaps the step before that yeah kind of figuring out what works for you yeah what type of practice fits into your life why what maybe you want to check out if you're new to practice those little tidbits great I think this can be very useful because I think people get really, really, really confused about the different offerings. Yes. I mean, if I look back, I was very confused with the different styles and offerings. Um, but I think now that there's just so many yoga studios, despite which city you may be living in, I'm sure that you have more than 50, which is already a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, we know that here in Amsterdam, we... We have hundreds. Yeah, that's crazy. Even though this town is so <laughs> small. So there's there's a lot out there. Yeah, and how to kind of tease out the difference between all of those varieties and offerings. I mean, I remember when I started practicing, there was basically three types of yoga. Oh yeah, what were they? Ayengar, mm-hmm. Vinyasa, which was a little bit new, or it was kind of... Like the power, yeah, and power flow, yeah, yeah. But even that is already like so great and clear, yeah, right. And right now we have so many different colors of all those styles, yeah. Because even even in the younger system, you also have like uh, the critical alignment yoga, the restorative yoga, which is all kind of related to Iyengar and then related to Ashtanga then we have the vinyasas the power the flows yeah then you also have the whole branch of hot yoga what's this one? Oh, Mercedes is making sweeping <laughs> motions with her hands <laughs> what's that one um Shivareya. yeah but what is her style called flow um oh come on no Prana flow. Prana flow, yes. Yeah. Prana flow, yeah. And well, and so many other styles, like I think also. Yeah, well, you have a whole thing that people here in Europe call Hatha Yoga, mm-hmm. uh, which is no basically just 
kind of like Shivananda yoga and Iyengar kind of. Yeah, I think like when they don't really find a specific category, they kind of like drop it under Hatha. Hatha, which is kind of like the general term for physical term for yoga. physical yoga. Yeah. So yes, and then within those styles, there's also different ways to practice these styles. Yes. At least some of them. Really, only one type. Mysore style is what you're talking about, right? Well, but you can also practice online. You can ah, practice okay, yeah. uh, with a group. You can take a private lesson. This is true. This is true. Okay. And then, of course, yes, you also have the Mysore setting. Yeah. Okay. So we have lots of different styles. We have lots of different ways that we can practice these styles. So where to begin? I think the first step. Sorry, I'm, I'm hearing <laughs> the sound of music song. Oh, yeah? Let's start at the very beginning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very good place to, to start. start. Um, if you're looking for um, where to start, then you should literally just start with something and try a bunch of stuff out and see what speaks to you. Yeah. And when I say try a bunch of stuff out, that probably means going to group classes. Yeah. Offered at a yoga studio or a gym. But a lot of people start practice at the gym. Mm. Absolutely. That was me. Yeah, but I mean, back in the day, there were no... I mean, I know when I started practice, there, there weren't really dedicated yoga studios. Except for mm. Iyengar studios. Like the institutes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like I know where I started, there was, there was a Mysore group in a massage school and then you had the gym oh, that cool. offered, that had like a dedicated yoga space, mm, but that super was, cool. that was it. Yeah. There was no studio. So. Yeah, that's the same way I started and then. I kept going back to these classes and then like six years later, I realized there were younger classes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, starting at the gym is, is wonderful. Um, there's lots of great teachers. I mean, those teachers that I met at the gym so many years ago now, they're very well-known senior teachers. Yeah. So. Yeah, so kind of wherever you can... Get your class, hands on. Get your hands on. Yeah, I, I used to teach out of my living room. And I had people come from that I didn't know personally before that. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, so they would come into my living room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes you yeah do that, go to somebody's living room. <laughs> Maybe it helps to give like a little explanation of a few styles of practice. So I guess sometimes you don't know what you're looking for. But maybe if you have a little bit in mind of what you would like, uh, then it helps to know a little bit, like kind of what the more active forms of yoga are and what are the more, let's say, relaxing forms of yoga. I mean, ultimately, the idea is that you work out the kinks in your body, at least for most physical practices, you work out the kinks in your body so that you can sit for meditation. So that's the idea. So 
some people really like to feel like they have had a workout that they, you know, go into a yoga class and they feel that they work their muscles, whether it's stretching and strengthening or both. So there are more dynamic practices. And then there are practices that are more on the um, sleepy side. <laughs> well, let's say the passive side. More of the passive side. <laughs> or less, let's say, less dynamic. I mean, I'm sure people also sleep in some of these. I yes. Mean, I have fallen asleep in restorative classes before. Yes. It's, it's common. Yeah. So I think if you look at the main branches, kind of the big forms of dy- more dynamic yoga would be Ashtanga. And yeah, vinyasa is such a huge umbrella term now. It includes so many things. Um, and Iyengar is also a very dynamic practice. Yeah, with a little bit of a different emphasis, yeah. but you definitely work out your body into... Yeah, I think an Iyengar, I mean, I think it's possible to take an Iyengar class and not work hard. But I think it's also possible. I think that for depends like, on the teacher. <laughs> I think it also depends on the student. Like I think you can have two different types of students that go into an Iyengar class, and yes, of course, it depends on the teacher. And one can be working really hard, while the other one is just kind of <laughs> being a little bit yeah. But I mean, more I, passive. I think. I think you can kind of do that in any style a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Can you really get away with that in Ashtanga though? It's like you're constantly moving. I think you're going to kind of be forced to <laughs> work no yeah, matter what. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, like there's no escape because you have to inhale, lift your arms and exhale, go down. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there are many. So as far as vinyasa is concerned, there are so many different kinds. There's and a lot of it seems to nowadays be based on like dance variations. So it's very choreographed. Um, so those are more dynamic forms and then you also have forms of yoga that are vinyasa that are like power vinyasa, which are more Ashtanga based. Yeah. Maybe it's interesting just to kind of share with everyone that in a sense, vinyasa is a little bit of a spin-off of the Ashtanga method. Yeah. I mean, it's called Ashtanga vinyasa yoga. Yeah. Uh, vinyasa meaning, yeah, placements, uh, intention. Yeah. So I think sometimes people get really confused. I always have to have a chuckle when they're like, oh, I love vinyasa, I don't like ashtanga. I'm like, well, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're basically like really close relatives. Very close, yeah, vinyasa came from ashtanga. But just like you say, throughout the years, especially in the last 10, 20 years, I think there's been so many... I don't know if diluted is maybe the word, but it, so many variations of the vinyasa style because the very original uh, power yoga, just like you said a moment ago, is really coming from they were all Ashtanga practitioners. Yeah. That basically made the sequence a little bit more accessible, approachable to all levels. Yeah. Like Baron Baptiste and Brian Kest and. Shiva Ray also started that way, yeah. And um, Beryl. 
Barrel Bender Birch. Yeah. She really taught Ashtanga, uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is what it was known as. She came up with the power yoga yeah. term. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, interesting. So then, but then throughout the years, people kind of started to add their own flavor, flavor to it, I think. Yeah. yeah. So some, I think it depends on who is teaching the vinyasa class. You may get a more, like the way we teach is very breath and concentration uh, centered. Um, perhaps in other, not even in other styles, but in other studios, maybe with other teachers, it's more like sequence, flowy, dancey, yeah. based. So even though you're going to take a vinyasa class, you know, there's there might be a big difference between place and place yeah. and teacher to teacher. Yeah, definitely. I think that's also worth being said because if you're looking for something that, if you're looking to check out different styles of yoga because you're not quite sure what one is versus the other and you're trying to find something that you like or something that speaks to you, then it's also worth noting that the teacher, the person teaching, is also what makes a huge difference in yeah you know if you're looking for a style and you find a teacher that really speaks to you that you feel connected to or like you would like to learn from then it doesn't really matter what style they're teaching um i think that's a huge part also of determining what you practice eventually or ultimately of course yeah this this is a very big thing and i think um, we're not always, people are not always uh, aware that this has such a big impact. Especially now with, you know, studios have gotten really big and there's many classes available and hundreds of teachers available. Yeah. But even though you might have chosen a place or a style, even you also have to research which teachers yeah. are yeah are speaking to you yeah and not only that also what's probably good to know is that a lot of um a lot of times when you go to a class the teacher is demonstrating the whole time so you're basically watching the teacher do movements while you follow them and watch them and follow them but there are also many styles that don't do that. Like the way that Mercedes and I teach uh, is very Ashtanga-based. Yeah, the teacher doesn't practice with you. They tell you what to do. They tell you what to do. <laughs> and they watch you and they give you physical corrections. Yeah. Um, so that's also differences that you can come across. That yeah, some, I mean, In some styles, it's really common for the teacher to demonstrate and to be like quote unquote practicing while they're teaching, and then there are styles where the teacher doesn't demonstrates and they just tell you what to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And and again, it's not every place is the same. Yeah. So yeah, find out what style, what space, what teachers. Yeah. Maybe also just to quickly mention the we talked about the dynamic forms of yoga. Maybe a little bit more the passive forms of yoga. Let's say that you, I don't know, run marathons and you train for marathons six days, five, six days a week. It's probably a good idea not to do 
another really dynamic practice on top of that. Maybe you just need to chill the fuck out. <laughs> that sounds like it. And your muscles probably need some <clears throat> lubrication and stretchy love on all your connective tissues. So then you could uh, choose for practice like restorative yoga um, or yin yoga or... Or maybe yo- even like a slow hatha. A slow, like a gentle flow, slow hatha. Yeah, gentle hatha. Um, and then you also have yoga nidra, which is basically yoga. Nidra means yogic sleep. So it's, yeah, very relaxing, long, resting kind of meditation. Yeah. So maybe a good point to begin from is what are you curious about and what are you looking for? Yeah. Uh, and this is very personal. I think often, you know, people get so excited when they start taking yoga classes. They're like, oh, you have to go to this place and to this teacher. But this is very, very personal. So yeah. what is working for someone might not work for somebody else. Yeah, that's a good point. So perhaps that's a good place to start, like figure out what you want or at least what you're curious about. Like, do you have any other type of practices? Are you physical in any other ways or will this be your main physical practice yeah because i think also you know we uh, we're talking now about different styles of yoga in the sense of the physical practice itself which ultimately the physical practice of yoga is just a very small part of the practice and uh, there are uh, certain styles of yoga that really incorporate more aspects of the limbs of yoga which we also talked about uh I think it was like our second episode or something. Yeah, it must be like number two or three. Um, So check that out if you haven't listened to it yet, what the limbs of yoga are. Um, But there are practices that really strive to um, incorporate teaching from more limbs than just the physical limb of yoga, the hatha aspect of yoga. But I think also in the beginning, sometimes you don't know what it is that you like. It's just something inside of you that pulls you back to that practice. Like, I don't know what it is, but something in me wants to do this. Wants to go back, yeah. My One of my uh, teachers used to say, uh, what what did she say? If you're... uh, even if you're not looking for yoga, yoga will find you, something like that. Like basically, even if you are just practicing for the physical purpose of the practice, like for the physical benefits, yeah, the rest is going to get is gonna get you anyways. Yeah, yeah, that is so true though. Yeah. That is the beautiful thing of yoga though. We all come for different reasons, but we all stay for the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But indeed, it takes a while to to kind of figure that stuff out. Yeah. And also, it depends on your circumstances. I mean, if you live in a neighborhood where you have an amazing yoga studio next to you, you're very lucky, then you walk directly into a great place with great teachings. And sometimes you have to, you know, do more trial and error and kind of research. Yeah. Um, but I think you definitely have to 
do a little bit of research. Yeah. And, and, and just like you said, if something is pulling you back, then do listen to that. Yeah. Because really one class is never enough to no. decide what you like or if it's for you. Not even 10 classes are enough. So no. you kind of have to stay at it. Yeah. Well, let's say that you live somewhere where there's not a yoga school in the area. What is a possible? What can you then do? Well, right now it's a lot more accessible. I mean, there's so much information on YouTube and online, and well, lots of books as well. Yeah. So there's a lot that you that you can do like that. Yeah. And I think there is something really uh, nice about that because, of course, you're like in your own surrounding. Uh, and even though the teacher is not there in person, there's you have that support of. Of the video or the tape or whatever you're... Well, there used to be tapes in our days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I remember when I was... I think I was 13 with my sister doing yoga in the living room. Oh, my God, amazing. It was on... It was a guy on public television. I remember also, like, Gaia videos passing yeah. by or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. With... Um, Rodney Yee? Yes. Mm-hmm. I used to have uh, those videos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so anything like that is is a is great. It's a great alternative if you don't have a physical space that you can go to. Yeah. And if you're doing that, I think for a little while, then maybe at some point you uh, have like the bug or whatever. So then it's good to maybe if you can check out some workshops so that you do get contact with the teacher because there is nothing like... Um, personal attention from a teacher nothing can replace that of course and also if you want to grow in the practice it's really helpful because of course there's a lot of blind spots when we practice by (laughs) ourselves like many of them (laughs) yeah so you need someone to help you work through those yeah but to get started and and you can even establish let's say like a healthy self-practice like that yeah definitely so yeah that's an alternative but if you live in a city where there are lots of studios, then probably you're going to see many, many classes. And then if you are interested in, let's say, the, if you like the more dynamic style, uh, and you have the, uh, the wish to learn like more like Ashtanga sort of practice, then what am I trying to say? Then you also have options. Then you also have options, exactly. Yeah. So even when you choose this style, then there's more options more to be options, honest. Yeah, that. exactly. What's really unique about um, the Ashanga practice is that we kind of split it into two. We split it into the classical, traditional way of learning uh, the Ashtanga Vinyasa method, which is called Mysore style. And then we have lead practice. So also if you take a couple of uh, lead Ashtanga classes, you might get the Ashtanga itch and want to explore further. And then the traditional way of uh, learning the Ashtanga sequences um, is in with Mysore style practice. And uh, what is that, Mercedes? What's the difference between lead practice and Mysore style practice? 
maybe we should explain. I mean, the name lab practice already says it, but yeah. that means basically that the teacher is present in the room with all of the students and everyone is moving. Everyone is being led by the teacher. Yeah. Um, so everyone is hopefully breathing and moving at the same pace and they're following the teacher cues. Yeah. Um, and then the Mysore style practice is a little bit different because everyone is, is in the room and everyone is working with the same sequence, but everyone is working at their own pace and working through their own issues, struggles, etc. Yeah. Of course, with the guidance of the teacher in the room. So it's kind of like a private lesson in a group setting, basically. Absolutely. It's really a private lesson in a group setting. Yeah. Actually, it's great because you get all the, like, the juices of having like a private lesson. Yeah. But you get the energy and the support of the people around you. Yeah. So in that uh, way, it's really nice. Yeah. I have to say that I am, and I believe that Mercedes is also very biased in the sense. I believe that Mysore practice is the best practice for everyone. Um, because it is so uh, kind of custom built for the individual and really takes into account the individual's needs. And also for beginners who are really brand new to practice, I think it's the best way to learn um, because you aren't then forced into the movement of the group, which can really... Uh, you know, has its in- this incredible energy and dynamism that we can become so easily swept up into. But I think as beginners, there's then a lot of pressure also to do exactly what the people are doing around you. And that's not necessarily been beneficial to you in the beginning of practice, especially if you're not quite sure how to uh, modify your practice or take it a e- bit easier if you need or f- how to address an, an injury. Hopefully the teacher, you have a good teacher that is communicating with you before you begin practice and is keeping an eye on you during practice. So, yeah, that's very important, people. If you go to take class and the teacher is asking, do you have any injuries, any questions, don't be shy. Please do share that information with them so that they can help you better during the class. Yeah. But even when you share this information, you know, and you're really holding the space for everybody and moving simultaneously, even then sometimes it's like, yeah, it's it's kind of like a, how do you say, cookie cutter yeah. practice. So it's going to feel great to some people and some people might not be needing that at that moment. Yeah. So then it's kind of one size fits all situation a little bit even though of course there's modifications yeah hopefully being offered uh, you would hope so and i think also if the teacher is practicing the whole time while they're teaching it's more difficult for the teacher to pay attention to yeah what you're doing so yes highly biased here but i think mysore is the best type of practice for everyone <laughs> yes well you know, there's also another really important aspect that I think that is really, really powerful of the Mysore practice is that it really puts the student in the driver's seat. Yeah. Um, so there's there's this sense of responsibility and empowerment. Yeah, ownership of your practice. Yeah, yeah. which I don't think necessarily everybody wants at the beginning. No. Um, but if you grow within the practice, I think... It's a beautiful thing because it's like, yeah, you take charge of of yourself, your practice, your experience. Yeah. And, and this is really, really psychologically very powerful. Yeah. 
so I think sometimes in a group class, I'm not saying that every student is like this, but sometimes we can kind of sit back a little bit and just kind of like follow blindly what the teacher is saying as yeah. opposed to have this sense of inquiry and yeah so in that respect yeah the Mysore setting is very very powerful yeah which I mean also knowing my bias that there are this possibility is also there in lead practice I think it really depends on the teacher and of course um you know it's really about their a space being created for you to develop yourself and in the beginning that might just simply be a physical development there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and then as you become more coordinated in your body and an understanding like ah okay when she says or he says step your right foot forward that means this right foot not the other one or then I do this my arms reach up then we can start to get a little bit more into the uh, contemplative aspects of practice and we, we probably then also have the opportunity to listen to other messages that the teacher is saying um, which are you know often often there the teachers many times not just giving you physical information and what to do but uh, if it's a good teacher they're also sprinkling in bits of philosophy and uh, questions for inquiry into your yourself so of course that also happens in lead practice um yeah so, and some people want to be told what to do right like yeah and i think also that comes maybe with a little bit more experience yeah it definitely that's why i always say invest at least three months in whatever you think you like yeah, because it does take a little while to get settled. And when you say three months, that's not like one class per month. <laughs> oh no, boy! <laughs> I mean, but then again, that's also a good point. Is I think it depends. What are you looking for? Because yeah. you know, if you are an athlete and and you want to do just like you said some stretchy, lovey stuff once a week, that's awesome. Yeah, you know. But if you're looking for something perhaps a little bit more meaningful or deeper, then, yeah, a commitment of three times a week is a good place to start. Yeah. And then when you look at those three times a week, what time do you have available to practice? Yeah. This yeah. will also determine which way you're going to go. Yeah. That's another nice thing in the Mysore uh, room is that in the beginning, you might just be there for about half an hour. Yeah. So it's also very efficient like that. And then you build it up gradually. While if you go to a lead class, you know you need to have one and a half hour free. You know it's going to start always at the same town and at, end at the same time. Yeah. In a Mysore setting, that's a lot more flexible. So... Perhaps you're like, hey, I want to practice three times a week, but I only have these times available. Yeah, then perhaps a more flexible practice like that, like a Mysore style, might be uh, better for you to help you establish a consistent and practice. Consistent practice. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. And sometimes in the evening, right, just practicing in the evening is what works best in people's lives. There are also places that have uh, evening Mysore programs, like our studio, 
the breathing space we have an evening program that's quite popular and um, uh, there are also many lead practices that are available in the evenings whether that's uh, a more dynamic practice or a more restful practice uh, depending on the studio there are many studios with many different time slots available so yeah look to see what most of the times is before and after work but yeah uh... yeah look and see what works out for you and of course now we're going through this uh, coronavirus era where there's also a lot of uh, live stream classes and uh, online platforms so yeah, if you're not able to go to a physical space, that can be a great alternative. Yeah. And it would surprise you too, right? How I think I, what I've heard from some people is that they're surprised that, oh, you know, if they are taking lead practice with Mercedes that I've heard students say, yeah, and she sees like everything that I'm doing and I'm she like, corrects yeah. me. They're like, of course. <laughs> there is the cover in front of you. <laughs> so... Yeah, you can get really great live feedback uh, online. So live streaming is um, also a really nice option. We also, of course, provide that um, if you want to check us out. Uh, we have an online schedule as well. But yeah, we of course, you get live feedback. Uh, we're watching you. <laughs> <laughs> the big brother eye is watching all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and probably we're going to continue this after after the lockdown is lifted. Yeah. So definitely do stay tuned if that is. But I, I can imagine if you move away or you're in some remote city, that can be a great, great alternative. Yeah, definitely. There's also the possibility of doing private lessons, right? And private lessons can be live stream. Uh, they can also be online, but they can also be one-to-one. And, you know, that can is might not be an obvious choice for a beginner just starting with yoga practice. But I think actually it can be a really nice way to start. Um, granted, uh, it is something that you need to be financially able to uh, to do to afford to afford. Private lessons are uh, more expensive than group classes. Um, and but then you have the a very uh, close attention uh, of the teacher just for for a whole hour and it can be a nice way to learn the basics of um, physical yoga practice of hatha yoga and as well as preparing you for some of the other more contemplative parts of practice i think you know that if people before they started if they just walked blind into a lead practice, if if they could just have a, like a little bit of a one on one with a teacher, I think it would, you know, really be uh, very beneficial to a lot of students that that start and maybe go into a lead practice and leave disheartened because they feel completely lost or they don't feel like they can go with the flow or um, that. Yeah, I think sometimes people don't leave and don't come back because they have a bad experience because they, they just don't, they, they feel not taken care of in a group setting. Yeah. And I think that if perhaps they could have a conversation with the teacher beforehand, 
or even a set private session beforehand just to kind of plug into, hey, this is what it's about and you need to take care of yourself and let's just go over these few simple uh, foundational aspects so that when you do step into the deep end <laughs> that it, that you are swimming, not, you're not sinking. Yeah, that's so useful. And working one-to-one is... It's just so nice because you can also tailor what you're working on to yeah. the needs of the individual. And uh, yeah, if you're used to going to group classes, it can give you indeed a lot of confidence. And then if we refocus and get into, let's say that someone really loves the Ashtanga sequence, you know, because it is a great sequence and they have taken a few classes, uh, let's say at the gym, and they really want to cultivate a more consistent practice, then what am I trying to say? Um, let me reorganize my thoughts. Would you say that you only do Mysore practice only, or only lead class or a combination of both? I would say that once you go to Mysore, you should stick to Mysore practice. That being said, the traditional way of generally what you do is if you do Mysore style practice, there is a day in the week that is dedicated to lead practice. So that, and that's really important because uh, when we're practicing on our own and on our own time, kind of in our own pace, of course, there's a teacher keeping their eye on you. Um, but uh, being led through practice at a specific, just to, uh, it's really helpful because in Ashtanga you have to, you're supposed to learn the things that are called vinyasas. And sometimes when we're practicing, it's really easy to get in the habit of, I don't know, playing with our hair or straightening our mat or Ooh, wiping yeah, the sweat away. The mat. <laughs> yeah, so. And new people to practice do this, and also people who've been practicing for, for a, a long time. So lead practice is there to help catch these little sneaky things, sneaky patterns that can show up. Um, so I would say both, but of course you need lead practice, I think, just to check in and also to help learn the specific vinyasas of parts of the practice. Um, and to catch the little bad habits that might develop. Um, but yeah, if you're doing Mysore, you should really do Mysore. And if you want to do lead practice, then do lead practice. But I mean, that's my opinion. I, I don't think that if you decide to make the step in the direction of doing Mysore, then it shouldn't be that you do Mysore like once a week or once a month and then the rest of the time you're doing lead practices just yeah. like i think if you're going to do mysore then you shouldn't be doing lead vinyasa practices if you're yeah, going to do, exactly. take a lead class then then it should be ashtanga and i mean i don't know maybe i'm being just being really st stringent about that but i think it can it can get very confusing yeah because there are some little nuances that are not perhaps so clear 
especially if we are a little bit green in the practice. Yeah. I think at least in the beginning when you're planting the seeds, do stay, be consistent, consistent on one yeah. method. I think also that being said, consistent on one method and consistent kind of in timing. I think that's really important. This that, is a very good point. That yeah. even if you're just starting and you start, let's say, two to three times a week, that you are consistent about the time. The idea is that you start to see the patterns that show up in your life, right? And the whole purpose of the Ashtanga practice specifically is that we do the same thing over and over, but that we realize that we are not the same every day. So we do shift and change. Or that we are the same every or day. Or that we are the same every day, exactly. And, and that we have something has to shift. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's easier to see these patterns um, if we are consistent in the time that we practice and consistent in the type of thing that we practice. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's that's a good point. If you're going to start with something, commit to it, See how test the waters for a while, see how it works for you. And, um, yeah, only time can tell. Only time can tell, yeah. Yeah, I kind of have... I- I kind of think like, in a way, we need all of them, like one-to-one, Meister style and group classes, maybe perhaps just in different ratios for different people. Yeah. Like, uh, I think even students that have been practicing Meister for a long time and they have a very well-established practice, they can gain a lot from doing once a week a little practice. Well, that's why it was... That's why it's established like that. Uh, but of course, not every student does this. And yeah. I think they miss out on a big, uh, yeah, on a big learning opportunity. Yeah. And then I think if you are only taking group classes and then uh, and then all of a sudden you're left alone, maybe on holiday, and you're practicing by yourself, there's also like great strength yeah. on experiencing that by yourself yeah. with no one else around you it's extremely insightful and powerful yeah um, so it's not like it's just that or that I think you know there's lots to draw from all of them yeah but how can you better apply them for your lifestyle and your situation also yeah yeah I mean I would even I would even dare say that people who are very like let's take the example of Ashtanga, like only practice Mysore six days a week um, for years, that they might also benefit from taking a lead, I don't know, prana flow class. Yeah, of course. At some points, you know, just to... Flow, baby. (laughs) Just to get a different perspective. Yeah. Sometimes it works just to solidify your own feeling of, the practice that I do is the practice for me, but <laughs> that's also good. But yeah. I think sometimes it's good to move in a different, in a way that you're not used to moving. Yeah, I kind of like putting so. yourself outside your comfort zone yeah. in a different way. Yes. And I think the most important thing is that ultimately the practice that you choose should bring you something. Like, and I and I don't mean that it should bring you joy immediate joy in the moment of doing practice i think it's a big misconception of practice that it's supposed to be this 
blissful, joyful thing 24-7. But I think that the reason why, you know, you're saying you need consistent practice and that you need to try something out for a while before you can make a decision is that the be- often the benefits of practice are things that develop over a long period of time that they're not immediate, so we don't see them immediately. And that ultimately, practice is supposed to bring us more joy and closer to ourselves. But that's not something that we experience right away, generally. It's something that develops over time. So to also not have that expectation when you go to take a yoga class that's, oh, this is going to make me so joyous and blissed out. (laughs) Um, Because it may actually feel the opposite in the beginning. And... That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but that being said, you sometimes you just know, like, okay, something about this is speaking to me. I, I don't I know I, I'm struggling with it right now, or it's not the easiest practice, but something feels right. It feels like it's clicking. It feels like this is something I need to explore more. I think if you are open to hearing, that within yourself that then you find the right practice for you yeah that it does need to speak to you in some way and you know in the beginning maybe that's just a physical thing a physical benefit that becomes obvious so like oh I, f- I felt good in my body you know after I did that practice I felt like I had more room in my body felt like I had a little bit more rest in my head even just those little things are huge. Those yeah. are really important things to to watch for. Or to realize when you don't do those practices, then that life becomes a lot harder. Yeah. Sometimes it's, yeah, I don't think we can see it directly. So yeah. it takes a little bit of like looking back and being like, oh yeah, I, I was feeling better when I was doing it. Yeah. All right, so lots to choose from. Uh, go on do your homework <laughs> exactly and then come and visit us yeah <laughs> just go do some research and see yeah and I think if I can give you guys my own personal advice just like Lena said A no expectations and B don't listen to anybody else's experience just go and research for yourself and work it out for yourself yeah. because it's really personal this yeah it's your body it's your life it's your practice Ultimately, if you choose to make it your practice. Or maybe it's not. And then you go running outside in nature every day. Maybe that's your practice. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. As always, if you have any questions, any comments or any topics that you would like us to talk about, please don't be shy. Reach out. You can email us at uh, info@thebreathingspace.nl, but of course you can also just send us any messages through Instagram and Facebook. And if you would be so bold to leave us a review on iTunes, and then it helps uh, other people to find us as well. Please, 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 please. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.